0: We are protected though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps Peepers, Roberts and Annabelle's. I'm Dan.
1: Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay.
0: You're Lindsay and you are doing the, the opening announcements now.
1: Oh, that's it. We're just on me now.
0: I'm still still getting used to it.
1: I know it is kind of weird, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. just, just a couple quick ones and then we got a big show. Heek. I know I keep like waiting for you to dive into them. I'm like, oh right, it's oh, yeah. my turn. It's my turn. So okay, so I'm gonna go first. Yeah. You okay. Go. Great. Well, just uh, this month's charity is New Orleans Community Fridges. Uh, the donation amount is still to be determined, which I know might be a little bit frustrating, but it's still February, even though we're recording into the middle of March. Uh, New Orleans Community Fridges is a collective effort focused on creating resources that empower com- the the New Orleans community and support voices that are marginalized and helps remove stigma around food scarcity. So what it is, is there's these amazing fridges all over New Orleans, and you can go and you can help yourself to food or drink at any time without any explanation. You just take what you need, and uh, yeah, it's all done on volunteer basis. And if you'd like to donate, host a fridge, stock a fridge, or donate your services like repairing a refrigerator, you can visit nolacommunityfridges.org for more information. And then also...
0: Yes, the big one. The
1: big one. Not that the other one's not important. Right, right. (laughs) If you are listening, on the day that this drops, March 15th, the tickets for Bad Magic's Summer Camp is already on sale. So stop what you're doing. Go over to badmagicmerch.com and get your tickets because there are a limited number of tickets. And if you don't get them fast... I don't know if you're going to get in,
0: and we know this is coming out a little ways after they went on sale, so you know there's a chance they they could be gone.
1: Yeah, because they went on sale at twelve noon Pacific on the fifteenth, and this since this drops at midnight, so like stop what you're doing, <laughs> get it, get it, put, press pause. Ah, come visit us in Idaho. <laughs> All the details are there. That's badmagicmerch.com.
0: Well, thank you. You you knocked those out so fast. Oh, well, thanks. And then they will be. This- I, I try to you know. And there'll be the scholarship next month too. That we will still be going to. I know. To. Yeah.
1: So many good things happening. Uh,
0: so what kind of what kind of stories do you have for us this week?
1: Oh, what I have—ghost,
0: shadow, people.
1: What I have is a burp that I'm really trying to push down. Do
0: you want me, you want me to share mine first while you figure yourself out?
1: Oh yes, please.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, I have two New England-based horror stories. Uh, a couple of areas with haunted origins going back to Puritanical times. First, we're going to uh, visit the Devil's Hop Yard. It's a state park in Connecticut. Great name.
1: Oh, I thought it was like a brewery.
0: It would be a great name for a brewery, actually. Yeah, the Devil's Hop Yard. Devil's Hop Yard. That's
1: great. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Uh, So what may haunt the woods of this park at night? Has it been haunting that area for centuries? Fun, modern encounter story. And then next, we'll head to Portsmouth, New Hampshire's South Street Cemetery. So many entities seem to inhabit this area's extremely haunted space. And we will meet several.
1: That's fun. Mm -hmm. I have uh, an interesting twist on a doppelganger. Oh, okay. A, um, I don't want to give away too much, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just playing with the concept that if you were a twin yeah. and only one of you made it in the end, right? Because so often
0: both right, twins right. aren't
1: actually born. Sometimes you are, have a twin pregnancy and you don't even know it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what if that other twin hung around?
0: Oh, and that, that reminds me very much of one of my favorite Stephen King stories, the dark half. Uh huh. Which is, it's basically the premise of the dark half as well, where it's oh. like sometimes like with the twin, one twin will absorb the other in the womb. Mm-hmm. And in that book, I mean, I say it's like spoiler alert. I guess spoiler alert, even though this book's been out for like 35 years, uh, <laughs> <laughs> something like that, some crazy of years. But like uh, it shows up in his mind. Oh. later in life and, okay. and wants to take over his body.
1: Okay, well, this is different than that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, but I, lo- I, always lo- I always thought that was such a cool premise. Mm-hmm, it it's is. It's a horror.
1: Well, and when I just, okay, since we're talking about twins, I just, yeah. like, was Googling a bunch of different things because I wanted to use the right language, and um, there's, like, a baby in Japan, I don't know how many years ago that was born. Yeah. Pregnant. Like, it, like, some, what? like, yep. It, it's, like, this really, really, really weird Random with fun- the
0: babies pregnant with yes, another baby, yes, born that way. Are you sure? It yeah, yeah, wasn't um, like a weekly world sun or whatever no, it's it, called. It, tabloid? No,
1: it's called like in in utero feto or something like and I mean, it had like a scientific Whoa. name. I mean, it looked like it had happened once in like five million births.
0: Was the baby's baby alive? I, d- I didn't want to keep digging, oh, okay, it was
1: okay. too weird. I was like, What is happening? And then also, I found out about something called a mermaid birth, where it's like, um, if the uh, the sack that the baby lives in, if it like basic, it wouldn't happen during a vaginal birth, yeah. But if they're born without that ever bursting,
0: okay, isn't that okay. wild?
1: I, I just went on this weird birth thing, yay!
0: That's I know, crazy.
1: There were so many interesting things. So that's story one, okay. And then, uh, story two, uh, is about what may or may not be there, what you think you might hear in the night,
0: yeah. And.
1: Is it or isn't it something to be afraid of?
0: Okay. Okay. That sounds like uh, two good creepy stories. Do you have any uh, Do you have any socks you need to show before we get started? I or do. Are I'm... you sockless?
1: Oh, no. Uh, these match my pants, which is kind of why I went with them. <laughs> okay. And I'm sure that they were meant for you. It says this meeting is bullshit somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. What does it say it? Oh, it's on the back.
0: This meeting is bullshit. I can't. <sighs> Wear those, those at the office. Just out of sight. All right. There we go. Well, uh, you got time to settle in on this first story. We're uh, quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of setup here. Okay, as we head to Connecticut, uh, the Devil's Hop Yard—great name for a supposedly haunted place. Uh, now a state park, yeah, located in East Haddam, Connecticut, roughly 20 miles south of the southern edge of Hartford. And the park was once an important location to the original Puritan settlers who lived in the area. Numerous farmers worked the land there, and there are two very different theories about how the park ended up with such an unusual name. Allegedly, a man known as Dibble lived within the boundaries of the park in the early Puritan days. And he had a garden that he used for growing some hops to brew some beer. And over time, the area became known as Dibble's Hopyard. Okay. Dibble was then often misheard as Devil. And then oh. over more time, the area would eventually become known as Devil's Hopyard. And then that name stuck. Uh, the other theory is the one that put this location on the radar for today's show. Lore that some kind of devil, or the devil even, actually lives in the park. At Chapman Falls, a 60-foot waterfall in the heart of the park, there are these interesting potholes in the stone, uh, nothing more than unique rock formations to some, which I'll have pictures of later, uh, whispered by others to have been created by some great and terrible beast, like the devil, as he passed through the falls. The potholes are perfectly uh, cylindrical and range from just a few inches to who knows how far down it goes in both diameter and depth. I guess it'd be in depth, but they also are perfectly cylindrical in diameter. Perfect. That'd be weird if no one knew how far around it went. Uh, rumors of the devil. I
1: was, I was gonna let it go. <laughs> I know. I don't always have to correct you.
0: Rumors of the devil's presence in the park uh, comes from an old and common Puritan belief that the devil hides in the woods to lure people into sin. And Puritans reportedly claimed to see the devil sit in the top Chapman Falls, watching them from the darkness after the sun had gone down. Modern park visitors have reported seeing orbs around the falls and a feeling of ominous energy story from a 1999 edition of the hartford current features an interview with park superintendent henry Alves about scary encounters near chapman falls and he said that one night five men came to the park after closing and all of them later said they'd heard a whispered threat come from the darkness around them leave now or you'll join us forever he added that one man claimed to have seen a beast like a demon sitting on a fence that night a second man was thrown by an invisible force into a tree and that a third ended up with slash marks on his pants given to him by some sort of creature he swore wasn't human. All those men apparently visited a local preacher to receive a blessing the very next day. And they aren't the only ones who've told terrifying stories set in Devil's Hopyard. Although extremely rare, over the decades there have been a few allegedly very intense supernatural encounters with terrifying entities in the park. The following is a story about one of these encounters, and it comes from the late 80s found in a blog post about paranormal stories from the park. Time now for the tale of kiss—time now—I'll we'll start over. Time now for the tale of A Kiss in the Dark. Okay. September 1989 was the beginning of my junior year of high school. I just turned 17, and let's just say I wasn't one of the most popular kids in school. I was shy, awkward around girls, and embarrassingly good at math. hmm <laughs> I didn't have much time for extracurriculars because my mother made me go to church and Bible study with her several times a week. If I wasn't in church, I was studying so I could earn the grades my parents expected of me. I was a poster child for being a nerdy geek. My dad spent the summers encouraging me to get into sports, arguing with my mother about how it would be a good outlet for me. I knew I wasn't the athletic son he'd always wanted. I was too scrawny for football, not interested in basketball, and didn't have the hand-eye coordination needed for baseball. But over the summer, we found an area where I did have some talent. Long distance running. My dad was so happy for me, he even ran with me at first. Cute. Spending a lot of his mornings and weekends hitting the track. He was excited for me to try out for the cross-country team, partly for me, partly so he could fulfill his dream of being a proud dad, watching his son from the stands and saying, that's my boy, to the other parents. Cross-country wasn't his first sports choice. Far from it. But he'd take it if there was no other option. Just over a month into my junior year, I mustered up the courage to attend tryouts. And to my complete surprise, I made the team. The other guys laughed when nerdy Jack showed up, but they were impressed after seeing me run and surprised, really surprised. We had our first meet of the season in late September, and I scored second place in my very first competitive 5,000 meter run, just behind Billy Colbertson, a senior. And now for the first time in my life, I wasn't a loner. I had a group of cool friends who liked me and respected me. They also liked it when I helped them with their math homework, but still it seemed like this was going to be the year I truly became one of the cool kids. Things were looking real good for me in the cool category one Friday afternoon after history class. Hey, Jack. Billy jogged after me as I made my way out of the classroom. Yeah? I asked. We're having our team party tonight. Since it's your first year, you should really try and come. It's always a great time. Excitement stirred through me. It was hard to play it cool. I asked, a party? Where? He looked around for any passing teachers before answering, devil's hop yard. We always sneak in after dark. I sighed internally. I had no idea how I was going to be able to pull this off with my parents. "'Sounds cool, but I don't know if I'll be able to go. My parents will flip if they find out.' He laughed. "'Seriously? Just lie.' Billy helpfully added, "'Look, man, there's a 10.30 showing of the new Lethal Weapon. Tell them you're going to the movies with some friends. I use that excuse to my parents all the time. Just park at the movies, walk over. It's less than a mile.' He clapped me on the shoulder. "'I'll see you tonight, right?' "'Yeah, see ya,' I said. And I thought Billy was a genius. I spent the rest of the afternoon thinking about how I'd get my parents to agree to let me go to a late-night movie.' I decided to ask as soon as my dad got home from work, rip off the band-aid. I sat them down on the living room couch and prepared to plead my case. So my friends on the track team invited me to the movies with them tonight. I was hoping I could go since it's Friday. My mom smiled. That sounds fun. What time? I swallowed nervously. 10.30. Her smile turned into a frown. I don't think so. It's too late. you would be out past your curfew. As my stomach began to sink, before I was about to start begging, my dad interjected, "'Oh, come on, Susie. Let the boy have some fun with his new friends. He gets good grades, stays out of trouble. It'll be good for him.' She sighed. "'Fine. But I want you back at a reasonable hour, young man. I can see her doing the mental math. Let's say the movie ends at 12 or 12.30. I want you home no later than 1. My dad now gave me his best serious look. He has a real good one. It always makes me feel a little weak in the knees.' We're trusting you to behave yourself tonight. Then he smiled. I couldn't believe it. I had just successfully lied my way into my very first party. My first act of rebellion ever, and I'd actually pulled it off. I tried to ignore the guilty twinge I was feeling in my gut. I left the house at 10, driving the the beat-up little hatchback I'd purchased after a summer of mowing lawns. I parked at the movies, contemplating what night might possibly, what the night might possibly have in store for me. Locking up my car, I abandoned the well-lit parking lot and started the short walk out into the woods. I knew where to go. I'd been to the park plenty of times before with my family when I was younger. According to Billy, the party was deep in the woods near the falls. I worried that the party might get too rowdy and the cops would find us. I'd be grounded for an eternity if that happened. But then I thought about how only Nerdy Jack worried about things like that. Tonight I was going to be different. A new, cool, and carefree Jack. I heard them before I saw them. The sound of music playing on a boombox. Laughing. A few girlish giggles. Shouts of excitement. I felt a surge of excitement myself as I saw the glow of several lanterns just ahead. Billy spotted me first. Hey, Jack. A chorus of other voices greeted me, pulling me into the circle. Someone passed me a beer. My first beer. So many firsts. The party was bigger than I'd expected. The entire team was there, plus a few other guys I'd never seen before. And then there was the girls. At least 15 of them. I recognized a few of them as the girlfriends of some of my teammates, but most of them were strangers. I made it my mission to talk to at least one girl that night. If I could lie to my parents and sneak off to a party, I could talk to a girl, an attractive girl, hopefully without sweating too much or having my voice crack. I entered a circle of lanterns, chatting with some of the team about our upcoming track meet. I sipped the beer in my hand. Before I realized it, the bottle was empty. I definitely didn't care for the taste, but I was already starting to feel warm, a little lightheaded in a good way. I decided to go back for another, heading towards the big red cooler near a large tree. And that's when I saw her. I didn't recognize her from earlier. I thought she must have shown up just a few minutes before. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. The lanterns cast a golden glow on her flawless, pale skin. Her black hair flowed down past the dark, exposed skin of her shoulders in a sea of thick curls. She had high cheekbones, a perfect nose, pouty lips, and all the best curves. And she was standing alone, looking right at me. I stared back, imprisoned by her intense brown eyes. She smiled. Confidence now surged through me feeling brave in my alcohol-induced state, I dared to approach a girl I would have barely been able to make eye contact with a few months or weeks earlier. Her eyes were mischievous. They seemed to hold a promise of what I didn't know, but I wanted to find out. Hey, I said, giving my best effort to give off an air of confidence. Hello, she said. Her voice was, wow, it was so soft, so gentle. I was instantly mesmerized. I'm Jack. I didn't see you earlier with the other girls. She smiled again, i just arrived. I noticed that she didn't offer her name, but I ignored it. This girl could say anything, as long as she kept talking to me. Her voice was so pretty, I could listen to her talk all night. Do you go to school with us? Play any sports? Yes, I attend school in town. I nodded. This was awkward, and not because of me for once. Her answers made it seem like she didn't want to talk to me, but her body language said otherwise. She was leaning towards me, making eye contact, smiling... Everyone around us was distracted. It was like we were invisible in our own little bubble. No one even glanced over at this beautiful girl I was talking to. I was surprised Billy hadn't tried to swoop in and make a move yet. We spent a while making awkward conversation. I asked her what she liked to do. She answered, I enjoy walking in the woods. I asked her what her favorite movie was and she just seemed confused and changed the subject. Suddenly she placed her hand on my arm. I noticed that I instantly felt lightheaded, drunk even, though I hadn't had a sip of beer in at least half an hour. "'Would you like to go somewhere with me?' she asked, that mischievous glint in her eye again. It took me a moment to process her words. I couldn't believe this was really happening. "'What other first was I about to experience?' "'Yes.' "'Sure?' I mumbled. She grinned, slightly too wide. "'Come with me.' She took my hand in hers and pulled me away from the circle of lanterns into the dark woods. "'Where are we going?' I asked. "'Over there,' she answered, but never specified where there was.' I didn't care too much in that moment. I would have followed her anywhere. I also still had the light-headed feeling. I noticed that when she took her hand off me for a moment, it vanished, my mind was clear, but then as soon as she touched me again, I felt drunk and out of control. I ignored the confusion I felt. All that mattered was that a beautiful girl was talking to me in the woods for some alone time, taking me. We finally stopped once we were deep in the woods. It was dark, but the trees had cleared out overhead. The light of the moon glowed down upon us, illuminating her beautiful face. She pulled me to a nearby log, sitting close, knees and shoulders, brushing mine. I wasn't sure what to do. I'd never kissed a girl before, and I was so embarrassed about it. What if I was a bad kisser? And she told the whole school, school, what if uh, she wanted more than a kiss? Would I even know what to do? What if she didn't want a kiss? And when I leaned in, she went, ooh, and then laughed and ran back to the group and told everybody. Panic started to overwhelm me, and then she placed a hand on my back. Instantly, I felt a strange calm come over me, my mind fogged. We sat there staring at each other for who knows how long. I was utterly hypnotized by her eyes. Kiss me, she finally whispered, leaning in close. Unreal, this was happening. I couldn't believe how badly I wanted to kiss her. The want was so strong, so powerful, it almost didn't feel like my own. It felt like a force inside of me, compelling me to kiss her. I leaned in, feeling her warm breath fluttering over my face. But then just before I closed my eyes, I saw her face change. Her eyes turned from brown to pitch black, and a sinister grin split her face. I jerked back in shock. Her face changed back to the beautiful girl she was before now. Did I really see what I thought I'd saw a moment ago? She asked so sweetly, "'What's wrong? Don't you want to kiss me?' The want was still there, screaming at me, "'Idiot, a hot girl wants to kiss you. Do it!' But my rational mind warned me that something didn't feel right. I scooted back further away from her the log. I, I, "'I don't know,' I answered. "'Why not?' She sounded so sad, heartbroken, but the expression didn't reach her face. Her eyes were blank and different. Uh, I didn't even ask your name. She grinned again. It made me shudder. Such a gentleman you are. There's not many like you, you know, so kind, so innocent. I said nothing. In that moment, I was paralyzed with fear. I had a sick feeling that something bad was about to happen. Do you want to know who I am? She asked quietly, leaning towards me again. I could only nod. No. No, I didn't actually want to know who she was now. She smiled, her eyes shifted to black. This time I knew it wasn't a trick of the mind. That horrible grin, that glint in her eyes that promised death, destruction, pain. I am evil. I flinched backwards at her words falling right off the log. I didn't dare pause but continued scrambling backwards in the dirt. I couldn't seem to get my footing to actually stand up and run. Her smile widened as fast as lightning. She was crouching in front of me, her hands grabbing my jacket, holding me in place with an impossible strength for such a small girl she kept staring at me with those black eyes fear pierced my heart an icy terror overtook me as if I'd plunged into freezing water I knew exactly who she was I was as sure of it in that moment as I was sure of my own name but I didn't dare say it or even think it are you afraid? she asked a false hint of sympathy in her voice what do you want? I shouted, voice cracking what do you think? I want you, all of you I panicked trying to think of what to do if I was right she was evil not of this world unable to be stopped by any physical force she was the devil or at least some kind of devil I panicked for a moment, scrambling through my choices. Could I fight her? In a way, uh, if the way she was holding me was any estimation, no. Could I run with the way she'd grabbed me so quickly? Also no. Then I thought of all those Sunday school classes and hearing Bible verses over and over. I did the only thing I could think of to ward off evil. I started reciting verses as best as I could remember them in that moment. Though I walked through the valley of the the shadow of death, my voice trembled. Save it! She snarled. Do you think that's going to do anything? She laughed. Pathetic. I wouldn't stop. I decided I wouldn't listen to her, no matter what she said. Keep me safe from the hands of the wicked, she laughed in my face. You're nothing! That won't save you? Her eyes were pure black, an evil frown on her face. She let go of my jacket, sending me falling into the dirt. My head hit the ground with a thud. Her hand shot out, grabbing my ankle, and her nails felt like claws. They dug into my skin, not just cutting me, but burning me as well. I screamed in pain. With inhuman strength, she began dragging me further into the woods, as if my weight was nothing to her. I clawed at the ground, but I couldn't get a hold of anything. She was too strong. There wasn't a word to describe how I felt. It was more than fear. My heart pounded, adrenaline surged through me. I wanted to fight, to run, but I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even scream anymore. I felt helpless, completely alone. I was going to die. I knew it was certainty. She would drag me into the woods and do something terrible to me. In what I thought were my last moments, I said a prayer, crying out for help. Please help me, God! I managed to croak out. The girl continued dragging me into a thick corpse of trees where the light of the moon or copse of trees was completely blocked out. My prayer hadn't worked. I crossed the threshold of the trees. I was near Chapman Falls now. The burning pain overwhelmed me. and acceptance settled into my heart. It was over. Done. There was nothing I could do. I sighed, resigning myself to the fact that I would die. And then in the next instant, she was gone. Just like that. No more anger. No more pain. Not even a word of protest. She'd simply... "'vanished, and I was alone in the woods. "'Wasting no time to think, I scrambled up and ran with, the only light of the, "'with only the light of the moon to help me find my way. "'I didn't know where I was going, "'but anywhere was better than here, near her. "'After a few minutes of wild sprinting lost in the dark, "'I heard the distant laughter of my friends. "'I stood in the shadows, watching them from a distance. "'It felt wrong to approach them. "'After what I'd just seen, it felt, I felt different. I'd had a, "'I had my only night as a normal teenage boy, "'and now I worried I'd never have that again.' So much for being a cool kid. I skirted around the edges, avoiding anyone's notice, and slipped out of the woods, continuing my path all the way back to my car at the movies. When I got back to my car, I lifted up the hem of my jeans and looked at my legs. My skin was bright red, blistered as if I'd been scorched. I had bloody fingernail marks deep in my skin. What was worse than the pain was the weariness. It was more than just being sleepy. Exhaustion settled inside my bones, dragging me down with it. Somehow I was able to drive myself home. I was barely aware of what I was doing only snapping back into reality when I put my car in park in my driveway. The living room light was on. I slowly got out of my car, each step a challenge, and entered my house. I looked at the clock in the kitchen. 3 a.m. Welcome home, my dad's stern voice greeted me. I turned to face him, too tired to speak. Do you have any idea how late it is? Your mother and I have been worried sick. We trusted you and this is what you do? Well, no more. You're grounded for the next... Dad, I interrupted him. My voice was hoarse. Dad, something something bad happened. His anger was immediately replaced by concern. He sat me down and ex- I explained everything to him. I showed him the marks on my leg. I felt a need to tell someone to ease the burden by telling the truth. And to my complete surprise, he believed me. I swore I even saw a hint of horrified recognition in his eyes when I told him the story, as if he knew exactly what I was talking about. He never said anything about it, and I refused to speak. And I refused to ask. I was too tired. My dad took me to a pastor in the morning who said a prayer over me, my house, and my car. We burned the clothes I wore that night. I was also, of course, given strict instructions to avoid parties, alcohol, the sins of lust, to attend church every week. And that was that. My dad warned me to make up some lie, to never tell my mom what happened. I told her that my car broke down and I didn't want to worry them. Not a good lie, but my dad talked her into believing it. I never went to the devil's hop yard again. I avoided the woods in general for years, actually. I stayed on the cross-country team, but declined all future party invites. I was still a good runner, so the guys respected me. But since I didn't hang with them after being after class anymore, my short-lived days of being in the cool kids club were over. I didn't care anymore who thought I was boring. Boring was better than dead. Or I don't know, something worse than dead? My life went back to normal after meeting that girl, ghost, demon, whatever it was in the woods, for the most part, but I would never be the same. I felt older, wiser, with a new understanding of things, and with the understanding that I wasn't alone, and maybe my dad had seen and experienced the same thing I saw, too. My dad never spoke about it again. Years later, he passed away without ever telling me anything. I've tried my best to forget what happened, but I can't. What did that thing want from me, and why didn't it kill me? Sometimes now at night in the dark woods bordering my backyard, I swear I see something out there, a flash of shadow moving through the trees, and I wonder if it's her. I'll never walk out into the darkness to find out I just turn away and pray
1: ah. there's no way I would live near the woods after that I would have to live in like a high-rise apartment in a Manhattan. very big city it's very busy no no sign uh, just concrete jungle all the way
0: I wonder how hauntings have affected people that way like if you had some really crazy experience in the woods like you mm-hmm. know it's again obviously with all these if you're you know new you know we're, we're never saying for sure that any of these stories ever happened. But you know, you spend disbelief and think like, okay, if it did happen, how terrifying is that? Right. And if that happened, like if that happened to me, same thing. Like there's no way. Oh, we, I'm don't, able to we go don't go the camping.
1: <laughs> there's no camping. There's no hunting.
0: But but then like there's the flip side in like people who experience really like uh, intense haunting in like a hotel room. Right. Or in some like you know, apartment. Or, you know, like they're seeing like doppelgangers around like in some like urban area. Yeah. Would they want to go away from people? Like I wonder, I wonder if that's... I
1: wonder. It it almost doesn't feel mm. like that would be what you want though, though, because being around people feels more uh, like more likely that someone else will see it. It's like, hey, did you Mm. see that? So I I feel like it only works in the scenario where it's like something terrible happens in the woods and then you live in an urban area. If something bad happens to you in an urban area, being alone... Near the woods probably isn't going to feel any better. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah,
0: it does. Maybe be like more like house specific. Like if, like, yeah, okay, yeah. like, like if you had like an old Victorian style house, you know, literally
1: like, never, no, thank you.
0: And then you have like a haunt, you know, like a haunted experience there. Do you ever live in a house even that style, like architectural style, nope. again? Right? I mean, Probably I would not. Li- I wouldn't live in one to begin with. I know they are like the classic spooky house.
1: I know, and they're beautiful, but I just don't want to live in one. They're Nor in t- do I want to stay in one, or like, no. yeah. And just like movies are not when you see them; they're hauntingly yeah, well, beautiful. But I,
0: but is that because we grew up seeing nope. movies not like that? Not for me.
1: Not for me because I didn't like grow up grow up with that.
0: Hmm. You always thought they were creepy.
1: Yeah. Well, and then also like when I think about where I grew up. Which we yeah. all know, close to Cleveland. I love to talk about Ohio. I almost yeah. wore my Cleveland hat today, um, but there, like the part of town that I grew up in, there were not a lot of old houses, but where there were old houses, where I don't know, like an hour from my house, and there were like rows of them in like expensive uppity parts of town.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: they all felt creepy to me in that they all felt like cold. There were these big old houses, and you never saw children playing in the front yard, right? Which, yeah. Probably was nothing. It probably had to do with like the time of day I was going or whatever. Maybe sure, they were sure, sure. older people. Like that doesn't dawn on you. But it just made me immediately think like, those houses are creepy. Why isn't there any life? Where is everybody? Like yeah. it had nothing to do with horror movies. Just hmm. my personal experience encountering those kinds of houses.
0: For me, I think it was horror movies. Really? Uh, yeah,
1: You mean there were no Victorian <laughs> houses in Riggins? Nah,
0: no. That'll, That's that'll, shocking I, don't, to I me. don't know that there's a house not even joking but i don't i don't think that there's a house of architectural note well, on any level in I, riggins like there's just basic like there's i can't even picture like a cool craftsman
1: no no there's like now there's when, quickly
0: thrown up houses
1: well but okay but like up in the there are some cooler houses now obviously i don't think it was like that when you were younger but no. when, when we drive from your moms to your grandmas yeah, there Cali- are houses
0: yeah california money came in yeah yep. mm-hmm.
1: yeah don't blame it all on the Californians. My no, God,
0: no, 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 but it w- was that. No, that, and that's I, not a thing of like. I know people have to deal with that. You know, like, well, oh, I'm not that guy. Good, but it was people coming just for whatever reason. Yeah, almost exclusively from California, and and like because it was so cheap. Mm-hmm. And then they would build big custom homes. Yeah, but, that, but yeah, but that wasn't there when I grew up.
1: No, and so I just think like even those houses aside, I yeah. don't think that there is a house in Riggins that's over two thousand square feet
0: they're, they're right because they're, they're all small. packed in tight yeah, it's a
1: small area yeah. they're mostly like single level or yeah. like you know on basements
0: a... yeah cellars sometimes
1: Cellars. yeah mm-hmm. uh i love how i act like i've been in all these houses there so just from what i've seen <laughs> we've and been then... in
0: every single house in town well we, listen, we, took a, been... we, took a, we took a we took the whole town tour where they take you into every single house
1: i just think about it like your aunt yeah. owns two <laughs> mm-hmm. your grandma owns one so you, like... you've
0: probably been to about 10 20 of the houses in so there you have it uh but um but I, I remember. I think of old VHS covers like before I even saw any of those horror movies. Mm-hmm. But I did see them pretty young because we had like HBO when I was uh, really young. And I would like flip it over to that mm-hmm. when you know no one was paying attention. I mean as young as like five. Right. And and did happen to see like, like Poltergeist was one. Of, I mean I had a whole joke about it in stand-up about the clown doll trying to strangle it. But that house I think that was a Victorian style house in that movie. I don't remember. But I have a picture of what I think is that. I'm not the best with architectural styles but I have a picture of what I think that is
1: Did it have like in a, my head. a peak that was I kind of rounded? I think it did. I, I think, think it, it did now that I'm thinking about it too. And there was
0: other horror movies that that was on the cover so it's like that style of house and there's maybe yeah. something about like the placement out of the windows, where sometimes mm-hmm. almost looks like a face. It's like mm. the eyes of the house. Oh
1: yeah, what's that called? Like when a light socket looks like a face?
0: Oh, we talked. There's a term, the term for that. Yeah. I I
1: ask you this probably once a week, <laughs> and we never remember. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't have cable, yeah. And I really wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV until like middle school. You so. were still
0: spooked out, spooked by them, huh? Yeah, they're, it's
1: a creep. But again, I think it was more that like the houses always appeared to be vacant, even uh, though I'm sure they yeah. weren't. I bet I was going at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody was at work. Yeah, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. I got a couple pictures. Show this, me. This first one's Chapman Falls in uh, Devil's Hop Yard.
1: It's beautiful. Actually mm-hmm. reminds me of the metro parks where I grew up.
0: Oh, yeah. And then this next one, uh, one of those circular potholes around the falls.
1: Oh, I get it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's just, there's the, the, the pictures weren't totally great. There was other ones, but it was, we'd have to like zoom in and stuff. But it was just, yeah, there's just, just several little geographic features like that Were just, yeah, little like sinkholes mm-hmm. where you just, like a, like a, like somebody drilled into the rock almost. Maybe they did. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then and then this the next one is the type of woods that those kids would have been having that party in. So it's mm-hmm. you know, pretty thick woods around these falls.
1: Did you guys have parties in the woods?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah I, I didn't too. really go, but I didn't really go to any.
1: Oh, man. Like
0: I lived outside of town. I had a really strict oh, stepmom. Yeah. Um, huh. I had no car. I got my license late. There was a variety of factors. Yeah. I, I think when I graduated, I literally went to that one party and, the, and I think that was it. You are so cute. I was fucking it's lame in high school. I had no. No, I just was. I a, love it. I was a sad nerd.
1: No, I love it. <laughs> uh,
0: the
1: nerds win.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nerds win in the end. Um, and then this uh, this last one is a cool image of a devil in the woods. I think that artist at Alexandra, like A L E K S A N D R A underscore M K underscore draws on Instagram did this. I didn't see it's her really feed. Cool. Yeah, but, but if you want to follow her, she does artwork like this, mm-hmm. and the file name on this other random website that didn't give like a proper credit, yeah. the file name had her, those two words, Alexandra and MK, in it, so I'm like, it's got to be her. Probably. She's not a very well-known artist as far as following-wise, she, but she should have a bigger following. She does a really cool occult sketches.
1: I love how the um, the woman mm-hmm. looks like she's part of the tree, mm-hmm. the, like, close to me, like leaning to the side. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Like the way her dress looks like pieces of bark, and mm-hmm, her hand kind of mm-hmm. melds in. Yep, I love that. That's really pretty.
0: Devil in the woods, uh, and then that's that story. Did do you have anything else on it?
1: Oh, no, I just was like making notes up here about like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I've done exactly that. Yep, mom. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah. You, I bet you went to plenty of parties in the woods.
1: Plenty of parties, or wo- woods or otherwise, and a yeah. lot of like, oh yeah, I'm going to be at the movies. I, le- I learned yeah. the hard way that you have to leave your car there.
0: Like that, like, like Billy yeah, suggested. I was
1: like, oh, my God, you're so much smarter than me. I remember.
0: <laughs> when, and now you can't do it because of find find
1: my. find or, Yeah, find a friend find or a friend like or whatever on your Life phone. Alert 360 mm-hmm. or like any of the numerous things. I know. In Track a way, people now. In a way, I feel bad for kids in that way where, yeah. yes, it is for their safety. Yeah. And it, as a parent with a child that drives, it is. So comforting to just be able to see like, okay, he's left his friend's house. Yeah. He's headed home. Oh, he stopped for gas. Oh, he stopped for a milkshake. Like I try not to use it aggressively, you know, like I just like, but Kyler leaves really early in the morning for school and I'm like, well, did he get there? Mm -hmm. You know, which is fine, but, uh, I would have been screwed, but I feel bad for kids because they can't, you can't sneak around anymore. And there is something about that. That is like testing limits, gaining your independence, Mm -hmm. knowing like, oh shit. Okay. Never doing that again.
0: I know, right? I know. I remember like sneaking out of window. I mean, I guess you could still do that. You could still sneak out of a window if your parents are asleep. But, but what but if what harder. if you
1: wake up? Like if your parents wake up and you're not I there, know, and
0: they check the 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 Fine My or whatever the hell it's called. Yep. And then, uh, or and also just going there if anybody takes a picture of you mm-hmm. and they post on their social media, and their parents happen to. I mean, there's just like so many more ways to get caught now.
1: I know it is kind of a bummer. There's something mm-hmm. about it that. I just don't like.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: I learned the hard way that you have to leave your car there because one time I told my mom like, oh yeah, I'm going to this movie with my friends and da-da. and she just knew. My mom knew every time I lied. Yeah. Every time. And her whole parenting style was if I give you enough rope, you'll hang yourself. Yep. Meaning like, she just would kind of like drop these things and see if I was stupid enough to bite it. Yeah. And then like, I w- it was like, oh damn it. I just gave my whole story <laughs> away. But I had like gone over, we hung out with this older guy and we'd gone to his apartment to drink, which was like wildly inappropriate because he was way too old to be hanging out with high school kids and my mom was like where- <laughs> i remember
0: you talking about this guy yeah this guy uh, yeah yeah
1: and she was like where where were you i'm like i was at the movies i mean she caught me so hard mm-hmm. but i was so staunch in my lie oh, and she just was like lindsay i'd like i went there and i was like ah shit she's like i went to ridge park square your car wasn't there i was like Fuck. <laughs> how stupid was i <laughs> kids think they're so smart
0: uh, are, you, uh, are you ready to move uh, on from an alleged modern encounter in Connecticut to an overview of numerous entities that all seem to haunt a cemetery in New Hampshire? Yes, please. Before we move on to more scares, we need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break.
1: Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals.
0: Factors never-frozen, always-fresh meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen.
1: I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, this summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time.
0: Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code scaredtodeath50 at factormeals.com slash death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
1: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there.
0: Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
1: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a Lifetime Membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod50 to get 50% off your Lifetime Membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod50 for 50% off.
0: Thanks, truly, for listening to these sponsored deals, creeps and peepers. It always helps to show if you uh, use their savings codes and landing pages. You save money. And we keep, uh, keep getting sponsored. Yay. Did I say landing pages or landing gauges?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Your words are a little jumbled.
0: Landing pages. Uh, it
1: could be either or. <laughs> Gauge your landing.
0: Little bit of time, not a lot to settle into this one. At the intersection of South Street and Sagamore Avenue in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, is one of the largest and most haunted cemeteries in the state. What was once five smaller burial grounds have combined to form one large cemetery— point of graves burial ground more commonly known as south street cemetery and bodies have been buried here for just over three and a half centuries the oldest of the graveyards has been in use since 1671 that year captain john pickering ii agreed to donate half an acre of land for the city burial ground he gave the land on the condition that his cows could still graze there (laughs) can't say i've ever seen cattle wandering to and fro amongst some tombstones must have been quite the sight to see Elmwood Cemetery and Proprietor's Burial Ground were added in 1831, followed by Harmony Grove in 1847, and then Sagamore Cemetery in 1871. And today, South Street Cemetery looks beautiful and serene, at least during the day, has a distinct park-like atmosphere. The various grounds showcase headstones of many variations from sarcophagus-like monuments to classic Victorian tombstones. One even has a winged skull decorating it. At night, of course, is when the ghosts and other perhaps more malevolent creatures are said to come out. Time now for the tale of the lost souls of South Street Cemetery. Perhaps the most infamous ghost is the one said to be the spirit of Ruth Blay. Provincial laws in 18th century New Hampshire required capital punishment for almost 600 crimes, including burglary, treason, abortion, and concealment. In addition to being a burial place, South South Street Cemetery once served as a hanging ground for some of these convicted criminals. In the 1700s, if a woman was to become pregnant out of wedlock, her whole life could and typically would be turned upside down. On top of harsh social stigmas that too too often equaled essential banishment from being part of her community, she'd likely lose her employment, probably incur fines, and often be physically punished as well.
1: Under his eye.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. The good Puritans. Those God-fearing folk were often an evil bunch far scarier than the witches and demons they feared. Concealment was a common practice for women who had nowhere to turn single women who'd gotten pregnant would often hide their pregnancy for as long as possible and they would sometimes abandon their newborn baby in a place where they thought hopefully someone would find it and take care of it but that didn't always happen sometimes these babies weren't found until it was far far too late and then they died alone from neglect and exposure Mm. to the elements a situation entirely avoidable when you stop worrying about the wrath of an angry god who may or may not exist and you instead focus on compassion for men and women who undoubtedly exist but a compassionate world was not the one Ruth Blay was born into. In the spring of 1768, the 25-year-old was residing in Southampton, New Hampshire. She was well-liked amongst the locals and spent much of her time teaching their their children and working as a seamstress. She was single and poor, and after some sort of secret love affair, she became pregnant. She successfully uh, carried her pregnancy full term. No one had any idea she'd been carrying a child. No one knows where Ruth gave birth, but we have to imagine she labored alone, without help, guidance, or any hand to hold. Fuck. Then on June 10th, 1768, she buried a tiny body beneath the floorboards mm. of an old barn where she taught her students. She would later claim her child was stillborn, and maybe it was. Probably was. We'll never know for sure. What we do know is that unbeknownst to Ruth, five-year-old Betsy Pettengill, one of her students, and a few other children were playing nearby, and hearing Ruth's sobs happened to peek inside, witness the burial. They reported the crime they'd witnessed. Local constable, Isaac Brown, quickly arrested Ruth. She was taken to his home where she would remain until she'd healed from childbirth. Then she was transported to Portsmouth. Once there, a rushed trial commenced. Ruth was found guilty by an all-male jury on September 21st, 1768, of not just concealment, but also the murder of a newborn baby she again claimed was stillborn. She was sentenced to hang by her neck until dead, and the judge made sure the sentence was quickly carried out. Some residents of Southampton thought her sentence was too harsh, especially when news came out after the trial that the baby was likely stillborn. Ruth's supporters begged for a reprieve, but she would receive none. Ruth's last day of execution was denied on December 23rd, 1768. Ruth Blay was hanged at South Street Street Cemetery, December 30th, 1768. Sheriff's Thomas Packer didn't want her death to interfere with his normal time for eating lunch, so he pushed Ruth's execution up by an hour. Despite screaming and protesting from both Ruth and the crowd, he had her executed before noon. And then a few hours after her execution, a horse messenger came, obviously far too late, to deliver a full pardon for Ruth, directly from the governor. The townspeople were furious. A mob stormed the sheriff's house that, that night, burned an effigy of Sheriff Parker outside. They also hung a sign saying, apparently quoting his cold words, Am I to love my dinner, this woman, for to hang? Come draw away the cart, my boys. Don't stop to say amen. Draw away. Draw away the cart. Ruth was buried in an unmarked grave near the pond. As you enter the cemetery from the north near the spot the gallows once were, you can see where she was buried. No headstone marks the spot. Visitors who pass by often say they feel an overwhelming feeling of grief near Ruth's final resting place. Some have even claimed to have seen an apparition, said to be her ghost, wandering around through the cemetery at night as if lost. Additionally, cameras seem to constantly malfunction around the site of Ruth's buried remains, and then go back to working normally once the visitor leaves the area. Some have even seen two orbs of light floating around the grave, which they believe are the spirits of both Ruth and her child. And Ruth's ghost is not the only restless spirit in the South St- Street Cemetery. It's like a tongue twister for me. Some reason. South Street Cemetery.
1: South Street Cemetery.
0: <laughs> Far from it. So many entities seem to roam this old collection of burial grounds. A few witnesses have even claimed to have seen a full army marching on the eastern side of Cotton Burial Ground, which was once used as a military training ground. And others, while they haven't seen this army, they claim to have heard them marching through the cemetery. Still others have seen the spirit of a little boy, about seven or eight, sitting on one of the branches in a grove of trees on the south side of the pond. Unlike most spirits, this apparition often appears to be very, very human and alive. He's always seen wearing tan trousers, suspenders, a dark shirt, and a paperboy style hat. And his face is streaked with dirt, as if he's just been playing outside. Shortly after being spotted, he typically disappears quickly, one of the more elusive spirits of the cemetery. Just inside the entrance to the cemetery, some have also said they've seen the spirit of a 20 year old woman dressed in early 1900s clothing. She has blonde hair and wears a simple dress. She never seems to frighten anyone, instead giving off both a positive energy and an air of sadness. Hopefully her origin story, not nearly as tragic as Ruth Blaze. There is the spirit of Elizabeth Pierce, a young woman who died in 1717 and was buried alone. Numerous visitors looking at her grave have stated they've heard footsteps approaching them from behind, and that these footsteps seem to follow them around until they leave the cemetery. There are also two child's graves in the cemetery, and many people who've stopped to read their names have said they felt an intense amount of grief, not their own, but from some foreign presence. And something I can't ever recall hearing about before, supposedly there are two tombstones that glow some nights, right across from the pond. There are no streetlights reflecting off the stones that would cause them to appear lit. These graves are said to glow an unnatural green color, even on nights where the moon is hidden by clouds. One witness posted about how they stood in front of the peculiar glowing tombstones one night and then a dark specter approached from the woods and made its way towards her. She described wanting to flee but being rooted to the spot where she stood. As this specter came closer to her, she could feel evil radiating from it and thankfully her paralysis lifted before the ghost came into contact with her and then she ran as fast as her legs could carry her outside the gates to the cemetery. Turning back quickly when she made it to her car, she was relieved to see that the entity had not followed her but instead stood right behind the glowing graves, where, not to her relief, it seemed to watch her. Two of the spirits I could find claims of specific sightings for are thought to be those of two young women murdered by German-born fisherman Louis Wagner, Karen and Anith Christensen. Wagner strangled and attacked the women with an axe on Smutty Nose Island, less than 10 miles off the coast from Portsmouth, March 5, 1873. He was later hanged for his crimes in 1875 after a highly talked about trial. The Christensen's graves can still be seen today. Karen and Anise's Headstone reads, A sudden death, a striking call, a warning voice that speaks to all, to all to be prepared to die. Again, people report feeling a strong sense of grief near the women's graves and a feeling of being watched as if Karen and Anith are looking down on them. And finally, some think Wagner's ghost, he has no tombstone, but there is speculation that he was also buried in Portsmouth, also haunts the cemetery. Perhaps his spirit is the dark male presence reported to wander through the cemetery at night, only making its ominous presence known to women. Perhaps his spirit chased that woman who visited the glowing tombstones towards her car. I wonder how many other spirits may haunt the South Street Cemetery. Sounds like a good place for curious members of the living to meet various members of the restless dead.
1: I want somebody to go, 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 go,
0: go, go. Explore. take pictures in New
1: Hampshire. Let us know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of different sightings there of all kinds of, you know, different like named apparitions, plus other like random little like, you know, shadowy thing was seen over here once or, you know, just random kind of like one off claims.
1: Well, and probably, I mean, at least to me, not surprising, a very old cemetery with very old, horrific kind of deaths, right? Like people are, Mm. I mean. All cemeteries, well, not all cemeteries, but most, you know, go back pretty far. But yeah. being on the East Coast, right, so far back in time, and it's like, we're not hanging people anymore. I
0: know. It's interesting that so the cemetery it, is also the site of a, yeah, who knows how many executions.
1: Right. And I actually wonder how common that was to just, like, kill uh, mm. kill them and then just bury them right then and there.
0: Yeah, unmarked graves.
1: Well, yeah, and just, like, not to be crass, but it would just be convenient and easy.
0: Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm you're sure, dead, yeah, and sure into the
1: ground you go. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to embalm you and have services for you.
0: No. And, yeah. how, and how crazy it back then. And I've read about this, you know, just reading historical stuff or talking about history over on Time Suck. It's like how common it was for people to, to be executed <sighs> over the smallest crimes. It's wild. I mean, that really was back in that Handmaid's Dale or Handmaid's Tale <laughs> type days. <laughs> yeah. Your tongue is stuck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just – um, I just have such a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're all human. And I, you know, what is it? Like, uh, he who ha- witha- is without sin shall cast the, the first, first stone. stone yeah. It's like, yeah, like, my God, just in general, just give each other a little bit of patience and grace. And no one's yeah. out to get you. Calm down.
0: It's interesting what people read into like religious texts, you know, Mm -hmm. you can look at at the same book and you can get one person who, Mm -hmm. you know, for the Bible, for example, can read, uh, focus on the forgiveness and Mm -hmm. love and taking care of their neighbors and all that respect to their parents. Yeah. You're like your mom and and, and like, you know, it helps them become extra loving and Mm -hmm. empathetic and, and humble humility, all those things. But then you can have another person who just, they just focus on like their brain. They're projecting their wishes Mm -hmm. into this book and they just see vengeance and anger. and and it just gives them like fuel to feel righteous in their anger and vengeance. And it's like, those have been some of the scariest people in history, if Mm -hmm. not the scariest.
1: Our friend Liz said the most beautiful thing to me today. We were just catching up and, uh, they're not religious, but they're not, not religious. They, they, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of dip their toe in the Protestant, uh, yeah. Episcopalian, sorry, Episcopalian church. And, uh, Their son has a lot of questions about Jesus and death and, you know, all like a really common thing, especially for little kids, where once they kind of hear about it, they're like, Mm -hmm. wait, how does that work? And somebody at their church told him that there is no heaven, there is no hell, like, when you die, it's just about your bond and your belief and love of jesus and i just thought that was so pretty because it's like yeah, it doesn't have to be like heaven or hell like it's great or it's awful it's like or it's just about this relationship that you have with this greater power yeah which generally you don't hear that kind of language coming out of a church. I was like, okay, good on, mm-hmm. good on your church, and it's a church of like mostly old people. Yeah, which I thought was like it, it doesn't have a young congregation.
0: And I don't know if that's normal for uh, Episcopalian yeah. churches in general, or, ju- or just this local one.
1: That would have never happened know. at a Catholic church. I'll tell you that much.
0: No, just yeah, but but you know, even within the yeah, not to get into a big religious discussion, but like you know, there's variants within the orders of the. Oh, I'm just Catholic thinking church. of my church.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of how I grew up. It was like Jesuits.
0: You, you know, they're they're very liberal, actually.
1: I know. While I went to a. Um, a Franciscan high school mm. for two years, and it was way more chill mm-hmm. than my nine years in grade school. Nine th- years because kindergarten.
0: <laughs> I probably said it before, but like the Jesuits at Gonzaga, many of those priests were so chill. Yeah, uh, I, I often was wondering, I'm like, are you even religious? Like, they would Did just they come say, to your parties. Yeah, they would show up at parties and stuff. They were super cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, and but <laughs> and but they also, like, I had you know, like, I was a very inquisitive student and would talk no, to no, you mm-hmm, after class and things. And uh, a few of them, I just walked away being like, I don't even think they're Catholic. (laughs) Like, I'm like, why are you living in the seminary and you're a priest, but I don't think you even believe this. Like, like the way I thought they should believe it. Interesting.
1: Well, I think that's like where I have always had a, um, Ooh, sorry, that was a snap. Sorry. Uh, I've always had a uh, fascination with the Jewish culture because Mm. not that every religion has extremism in it. So don't take this, you know, as the be all end all but my experience with my friends that are jewish and my experience of like working at a jewish temple at a school at a jewish temple it's like it was just always encouraged to learn to Mm -hmm. ask questions you you and i would be like i would have the same feeling i'm like are you sure you're a rabbi because i swear you just told me to question everything
0: yeah yeah which is
1: such a beautiful thing
0: Mm -hmm, it is Anyways, uh, a few pictures. Oh, then, sorry. And then on to your. This is uh, this first one is just a picture of the South Street Cemetery during the day. So it is you know looks like like a park like atmosphere. Uh-huh. I feel like that's an app description. Uh Just another picture of the South Street Cemetery uh, during the day. Yeah. And then this uh, definitely
1: old. You can you know by like the rope chain mm-hmm, chain mm-hmm. rope.
0: Oh yeah, the way those you don't see circles. that now. Yeah, true. Um, and then this is uh, the graves of the smutty nose murder victims, Karen I mean, and Anith Christensen.
1: I did not like the quote that went on their headstones. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Pretty dark, but for I can see people who were murdered.
0: I know, but I could see where the the people burying them, like their parents, probably were like with their headspace, mm-hmm. with their daughters, are just out like abruptly in this very peaceful, tranquil little island where no one ever got killed. Yeah, and then there was these two murders. You know, like uh, this guy just went nuts.
1: I know. It just sounds like be ready to die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's oh, like, well, you my. never know what's gonna,
0: when it's going to be you. Might be you next. You know, they're mean, in that headspace.
1: Yes, that is that is true.
0: And one last one, just, uh, just a nice creepy cemetery at night photo that came up in uh, one article about the South Street Cemetery.
1: I do love cemeteries. Mm-hmm,
0: the classic raven on the tombstone.
1: My dad and I used to explore cemeteries all the time. Mm-hmm, they're beautiful. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, I mean, they, they can be during the daytime and at night, maybe not so much.
0: Mm, different kind of beautiful.
1: It, yeah, well, I'm, I think my days of exploring cemeteries at night are probably yeah. over. Unless I'm intoxicated in some capacity.
0: Unless you're running from a, I don't know, monster. Oh. You have to go through a cemetery.
1: Well, I just meant like if we wanted to take a late night stroll after a few drinks.
0: Probably not going <laughs> we to be a top choice.
1: Mm, I'm just saying if, if I was going to stroll gotcha, a cemetery, gotcha. I would need some sort of intoxication. Okay. You see what I'm saying
0: mm-hmm. now? Might make it worse though.
1: True. Might make my imagination jump all over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who knows? Let's one, find out. One, can't, one can never tell. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been in a cemetery in a while, so let's not... Uh, Let's not test it out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So uh, just a little bit of a heads up and yeah. we'll, we'll give a trigger warning, I think, on this episode in the description. Just a like, m- m- I don't mean this to sound like condescending in any way, but like miscarriage and uh, like stillbirth, that's like can be very traumatizing for a woman.
0: Uh, I did not give my warning earlier.
1: No, I'm going to put it in uh, the episode. And yeah, this just has a, uh, a the talk about miscarriage. And so listen, like I've never birthed children, but mm-hmm. I have miscarried a baby and it is one of the most horrific things. And it's just a weird thing where like um it just hits you when you least expect it. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a little like, hey, if you need to take care while listening, you do that. And now onto a doppelganger with a twist. Okay. So yeah, I I hadn't ever considered this as an option of like, okay, in utero, twin pregnancy, one child makes it, the other doesn't, which is fairly common. That you know, one twin. It, it was. I think it's like once you get through the first uh, trimester, then yeah. I think you're kind of on the more like okay. But you know, it's a harder pregnancy. It's hard on the female body, yada yada mm-hmm. yada. But I never thought about like, well, could that spirit baby come back? Yeah, and I, yeah. C- I certainly wouldn't uh, entertain it as like a doppelganger. That wouldn't occur to me.
0: Or, or is something pretending to be? I always think about that.
1: Right. And yeah, yeah. So this, uh, I thought that this was so interesting, exploring that idea mm-hmm. of what happens to your twin okay. if your twin doesn't make it. Because, you know, all what I've heard from twins, I know we said this on the show before, that I don't know any twins. And I got yeah. so many emails, It was like, what? You don't know a single twin? I don't know any. Well, I guess, are Rebecca and Lily twins?
0: Uh, Yes, mm-hmm. they are twins, but they are not identical twins. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, so maybe I called? do kind of know. Fraternal. Fraternal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, But yeah, I I just, I don't know a lot of twins, but the ones that I like read about or hear about is they have this like really intense connection. Yeah. And when only one of the twins makes it to life, I think that they, well, from what I read, because I just did like some quick reading, it's like they can feel like phantom pains of like feeling like they're missing something, sort of like if you were to have an amputation of like weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they're connected in there and. Yeah, I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard about that.
0: I've heard about like when they, you know, they when one doesn't die, like they both make it to adulthood, and one has like a, a heart attack, or the other ones like, and the other one feels chest pains. Yeah, you know, like across the world, like those weird kind of yeah stories. Like yeah. very interesting things with yeah with twins, identical twins.
1: Yeah. So when you take that and put a, a paranormal twist yeah. on it, it was a really interesting concept. Well, mm-hmm. like that Stephen King book that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what's going on with our friend. Hello from Australia. I only recently discovered the scared to death podcast, but was immediately hooked and have been binge listening almost, uh, have been binge listening, almost grateful to have arrived to the party late <laughs> because it means I don't have to wait for a new episodes.
0: Thank you. And I love that when I find a show that's been out for a while, I'm like, oh my God, it's complete. Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. I get to start to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, that you've created the way, oh, sorry. I love what you've created and the way that you both approach your stories with open mindedness, humor, and an appropriate amount of get the fuck outness so I'm genuinely curious to hear what you think about this. My experiences have spanned over 25 years, so I've condensed things down for the sake of time and tried my best to give you at least a general idea of what has been going on so you can decide for yourselves just what you think. Here we go. I was too young to remember this the first time she appeared. Only five, maybe six. But my mom remembers, and it has always disturbed me to hear how blasé I had been about it at the time. I'd woken mom up in the middle of the night "'Tapping her on the forehead impatiently, "'Mum, startled and groggy, had asked me what was wrong. "'Apparently, I had replied with, "'I can't sleep with her sitting on my bed. "'Mum, disturbed but willing to write it off, "'as sleepwalking, took me back down to my room "'and tucked me in again. "'When she asked me about it in the morning, "'she was surprised to hear that I remembered the whole thing. "'She had my face,' I said. "'I relayed to her in great detail,' how I had awoken to the sound of soft humming coming from a young girl sitting at the end of my bed. She'd been facing away from me, but in the reflection of the mirror on my wardrobe door, I could see her face clearly, and it had been mine, but somehow off. I would continue to see her as I grew. So many times I lost count. Time and time again, I would wake in the night to see another me, sitting on my bed or standing by the window. And this other me always looked the same as I was at that time. Other people had occasionally seen her too. Once, when I was about 12, I had a friend over for a sleepover. We'd fallen asleep in the living room on mattresses after watching movies late into the night. I woke in the morning to a very creeped out friend who said she had gotten up to go to the bathroom in the early hours of the morning and on her way back to the living room, she had shuffled sleepily past me in the hallway, only to find me still fast asleep in the living room where she had left me. When I was 15... I was dragged out of a deep sleep by the feeling of someone tickling my face. When I opened my eyes, I screamed. The other me was hovering over my bed, her own identical face mere inches from mine, her hair dangling down like a curtain brushing against my neck. She disappeared after a few seconds, but needless to say, it took weeks for me to get a good night's sleep again. I couldn't close my eyes without worrying she might be right there when I opened them again. I would see her during the day, too, disappearing around a corner at the edge of my vision, or in the reflection of a window. It had been a doppelganger. That's what my close friends had decided when I finally opened up about it. We had spent a whole night huddled around my dad's computer reading online articles about creepy doppelganger encounters, most of which had presented them as bad omens foreshadowing unfortunate events or death. But that was not how it had been for me. In fact, after I had moved out of home at 19, I had been getting ready to go see a movie with my friend Rachel. And that's when I saw her. It was only for a split second in the mirror behind me, but her expression was different somehow this time. It was the first time I'd seen her looking at me with anything other than curiosity. She looked distraught. Seeing it filled me with the kind of dread that sits in your stomach like heavy stones. I paced my tiny bedroom for 20 minutes trying to shake it off, but the feeling only grew stronger. The whole thing had me filled with this absolute certainty that I should just stay home that night. So bad, in fact, I called Rachel and told her I wasn't feeling well and asked if we could get a rain check. Rachel had apparently already left to pick me up on her way to the cinema. She told me to rest up and hoped I felt better. What I didn't know was that she had been so bored that day she decided to go watch the movie anyways. When she called me the next day, I knew something was wrong immediately. Rachel hadn't made it to the movie. Her car had been hit by a drunk driver who ran a red light plowing into her. Rachel, thankfully, came out relatively unscathed, aside from a few cuts and bruises. But her car had not. It was totaled. The entire passenger side, the side where I would have been sitting, had been caved in, crushed all the way to the center council. Although Rachel had been able to walk away from the accident, if I hadn't listened to that dreadful, sinking feeling brought on by the appearance of the other me, I would have died that night. Had it been a warning? I continued to see her all through my early 20s, but with less frequency after I met my husband, and even less so after I met my birth mother. I've known I was adopted for as long as I can remember. It wasn't something my parents ever tried to hide. Not that they could have. They are both dark-haired and olive-skinned, and I'm the kind of redhead who burns if I even think about going in the sun. I'd never had any interest in meeting my birth family people used to ask me all the time, and my attitude remained unwavering. I'd been adopted by two incredible, supportive, loving parents. They were my family. I didn't need anything more than that. It wasn't until recently that my outlook changed. Becoming a mother myself gave me some sense of the anguish my birth mother might have felt about giving me up, and I began to entertain the idea of reaching out. If only to simply let her know that I had had an incredible and fortunate life. Recently, I decided to go ahead with it. Meeting her had been strange for so many reasons. It was a little awkward at first, but here's where it got stranger. At one point, she asked me if I had any adopted siblings. I told her no, and that I had grown up an only child, and that even though my parents had given me a wonderful childhood, I did often feel like I'd been missing something growing up alone. My birth mother nodded, almost knowingly, as if she wasn't surprised at all by what I said. She sighed deeply, staring at me for a moment, as if deciding whether or not to tell me something. And when she did, I froze. I had been a twin. (laughs) My mind had been reeling as she went on to explain that my twin had died just a few hours after we were born. I sat across from her, barely comprehending as she explained the complications that had led her to death. But my stomach had dropped when my birth mother said something that had ended with the words, the two of you. And I wondered immediately, had my doppelganger ever actually been a doppelganger at all? Or had I been seeing the twin I didn't even know existed, seeing her as she would have looked if she would have lived? Honestly, I still don't know. Your biggest Aussie fan, Shay.
0: Shay. Yeah. I, that's I so, love
1: this concept.
0: I know. It is a weird thing. I mean, I, I mean, I wanted to say earlier that, like, it wouldn't have been anything to do with a twin. It would have been some creepy entity trying to mimic this twin. But then—but because she didn't learn— that she had a twin until after she saw these things I don't know what to I don't know what to make of this I mean it's, I, hard, for, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around I mean I mean, all this stuff obviously is like sure. out there but this in particular I'm like what was that
1: right because she wasn't seeking it out she wasn't aware of it she didn't
0: know she had a twin
1: Mm-mm. there's something sort of really like beautiful about it to me where it it, I I take it as Shay said it which is that possibly her twin saved her life you know where it's just like it's, yeah, just, uh, just like a weird I don't know I've ever had such a strong feeling of Mm -hmm. like don't go there don't do that that it's kept me home for the night Mm -hmm. and then I've found out later like oh thank god I didn't go I've only had one instance like that but it wasn't it wasn't my choice not to go somewhere someone chose not to go with me and I got in a bad car wreck and they would have died but it was like you know like her parents said at the last minute she couldn't go it wasn't an ominous kind of thing
0: I'm always afraid I'll be at the airport and I'll think I have that feeling and I'll be like don't get on this
1: flight oh my god I know And
0: and then I'll get off the flight and it'll be fine
1: I know, I know. And I'm like
0: uh that was this is awkward. <laughs> hey, missed my show because I thought my plane was going to go down.
1: I missed my show cuz I'm a
0: crazy person. <laughs> um, that's just a- it, it's it's weird this one's weird for me because like the the twin died, you know, so sad a couple hours mm-hmm. after birth. So it wouldn't have had a consciousness like in the sense like it's its brain like the living version
1: yeah
0: didn't become a personality right you know like you know biologically yeah so like did the spirit then continue was the spirit did the spirit i don't know it's hard for me to wrap my head around all yeah but it's very interesting that was a great yeah great story
1: yeah just a real mind bender yeah i thought it was fascinating to note that when Shay would see her doppelganger slash twin, it was always at the age that she herself was at. So the twin was, or the doppelganger, was always mimicking where she was at. And we've seen that before in a Mm -hmm. few other fan stories. I remember one in particular where it was like a, I want to say it was like a brother writing in about his sister's doppelganger. And it was like, if his sister had gotten her haircut, then the doppelganger also had that haircut. Like it always matched where the real live person was in real life. Yep. Because cause it would be different if if I had a doppelganger yeah. from a young age and the doppelganger aged out at like 15. Mm-hmm. And now I look like this and what I look like at 15 is very different. So then I would know, yeah. like, oh, that's an old me. That's a young <laughs> me. That's not. <laughs> right, right. Would, that would be a different kind of creepy thing. Yeah. Like me stuck in some other universe mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, uh,
1: I just thought it was a good, like, oh.
0: It, yeah, it was a great one.
1: Yeah. What if you found out tomorrow that you were a twin,
0: I know that, that would be, and that's just a separate part of the story. Uh, just outside of any kind of paranormal aspects, that would be so. I don't know; it's unusual to find out, mm-hmm. you know, later in life that you shared the womb with another, mm-hmm. you know, person the whole time. The whole time, and, and, and that they were, especially in that situation, where like
1: they were, they also were born alive, mm-hmm. and then you just never heard about it. And yeah, that, I wonder if her adoptive parents. I, I'm assuming based on their. Uh, Uh, what's a transparency Mm -hmm. around her being adopted i'm assuming that they didn't know that there was another baby
0: right right yeah probably not yeah yeah That just be that would be something i I just imagine that you would just uh reflect on just randomly from time to time the rest of your life after finding something like that out
1: maybe there's peace in it what would
0: have life been like if you would have grown up together how what a different kind of childhood that would have been
1: but maybe there's peace in knowing like Had all these years I've felt like something was missing. Mm -hmm. I thought there was Mm -hmm. something wrong with me. I've been in therapy. Like maybe you thought you were depressed or maybe you do have those like phantom pains or, you know, just like fleeting thoughts that you can't quite figure out where they come from. So maybe there's maybe for her there was peace and like, okay, so I'm Mm -hmm. like there. This is something I can point to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what is that? I mean, that is such a weird thing that, quote, unquote, uh, it's a twin thing. Mm -hmm. You know, people say that. Like, I get it in some contexts, like, you know, you finish each other's sentences because you've been around each other your whole lives. Mm -hmm. But the phantom pain thing, Mm -hmm. and there's numerous stories you can find, you know, from uh, on the web from around the world and throughout history Mm -hmm. of, yeah, like somebody, you know, one twin loses an arm and the other one all of a sudden their arm hurts. Mm -hmm. And just like what I described earlier, that doesn't make sense with what we know of science right now. Like, where the hell does that come from? I don't know. Such an interesting connection.
1: But some things just can't be explained. I
0: know. I I know. That's what I love about this show.
1: I know. Well, and just like in life, like take all the paranormal out of it. Just like Mm -hmm. the idea that some things are just inexplicable. Like Monroe and I were driving to school today and (laughs) like she has her period and then like I'll get mine. And I was telling her that I was just at the doctor and he said that is the biggest old wives tale that women don't sync up. There is no scientific proof. Really. But he said that it is so widely believed that in med school. In med school, yeah. they talk about it. They address it. They're like, listen. like, but, but, Doesn't it happen all the Doesn't it seem to happen all the time, though? Sure does. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, maybe it's not scientific, but yeah. maybe it's like the energy that you put out. I mean, right, if you're, generally speaking, a doctor is going to be a doctor. They're yeah. going to be scientific, and they're not going to want to d- dabble in the woo-woo. I mm-hmm. mean, our doctor is great because he'll entertain just about anything I say to him with a, a kind eye mm-hmm. before he kind of is like, oh, okay. But, you know. Maybe,
0: maybe to find out how they could find out if this is like to do a, a test without having to fund go. it a lot. Uh-huh. I know. Here, here we go. True. But what they could do yeah. is just like anybody who's like like at a, at a hospital mm-hmm. or like a medical practice, all the women have to report their flow and their period like just when they sign up okay. right away. Like, how's your period been the that last is few months?
1: No, that is absolutely no. not a HIPAA violation no, no, at no. all.
0: Not all. This is totally normal. And then, and then just for the name of science and then... They, you know, they just keep monitoring it and then you find out if it lines up or not. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have like a huge, we'd have a huge group of data. You know, if like, what if just all women just had to always announce their periods to everyone around them all the time? Like (laughs) flow, uh, timing. And then we'd know more about it.
1: Well, the thing is, is,
0: it wouldn't be weird at all.
1: There are some men like you that could handle that, and then there are plenty of people (laughs) that are like you say. Period. I know
0: they get so grossed out.
1: So grossed out, embarrassed. Like it's like, oh, okay. Last thing, I know we've completely digressed here, but I saw. I was telling you about this. I saw this clip on like Instagram or something. I think she's a comic. I wish I knew her name, but she was talking about how recently there have been studies that doctors say the pain of a period is equivalent to the pain of a heart attack now she didn't say if it was like an extreme heart attack a mild heart attack oh, right i've never had one i cannot compare the two That's But crazy. the but her whole shtick was so funny because it was like all that she was talking about how there's all these commercials like you have your period who cares you can go surfing too she's mm-hmm. like can you imagine if we said that to men who cares if you're having a heart attack you can go surfing too <laughs> I just it thought it was so that's smart. Exciting. I've never yeah. heard that take and I whether it's complete bullshit or not, I just loved the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so great. All right. Well, moving forward. Okay. When you're home alone, I love this story cuz it like last night I was like, "Wait, what was that? What was that?" Mm-hmm. Home alone and or not, like this happens to be a couple that's home late at night. Why is it that the house suddenly seems so much noisier? Like you're like, "What was that?" A little tap, a little scratch, a little knock.
0: I mean, Skeptically, you could argue that you're just more aware of those noises mm-hmm. because you're not distracted by the noises of other people. Yeah. And, and that you're just, you're like, um, you know, your attention is directed to them more.
1: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: you know, if to, to not be skeptically, uh, maybe you're more vulnerable and that's when the spirits think that they can instill more fear in you.
1: Okay, what if we were getting like in bed, ready to go to sleep and you heard a definitive knock? Like not like a, not like a, mm. not like a,
0: yeah, like a yeah. possible, yeah, but like, like a like like definite a- like, Yep, 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 yep. Just okay. like a solid knock. Yeah. Then what? I don't know. I mean, maybe you notice those things more because maybe they're happening all the time, but you just like don't notice them. I don't know. But I mean, yes. Yeah, but that would be terrible. That would be. I mean, ah,
1: like a very is, that, distinct sound.
0: Yeah. Th- that, that that those scenarios scare the shit out of me. Well, to then, be like home alone and like I'm just picturing now. I'm 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 up in the living room mm-hmm. and then I just hear oh, like because this has never happened oh, ever. Ah!
1: God. <sighs> Holy shit. Thanks, Joe. <sighs> but I had a heart
0: attack. hmm Yeah. Oh, my God. That was well-timed. That was well-timed. Um, Sorry, I had to, guys. Oh, no. That was good. <laughs> that was good.
1: I hope you're <sighs> crying laughing out there because that was really Woo. good. We're both having a good time
0: out here. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Well, I I, that, just, I
1: felt that I, all the way <sighs> in my knees, <laughs> if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> that would be kind of a funny way to die, actually. Like, if I did have a, have a heart attack, like a massive one, and then just die, like, how did he die? Like, get scared on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but like if that was like you
1: can't sue me you cannot (laughs) sue me it was all in good fun if that happened
0: when you're home alone like from the basement oh my god like jesus christ that'd be terrifying
1: a definite knock at the front door Well, the front
0: door wouldn't scare me as much because I would just think that someone could uh, uh, – my mind would convince myself that a prankster did. No, I'm talking about in the house. I'm talking about like there's pounding like the bathroom door downstairs because no one's supposed to be in the house. Okay. Or a door slamming shut is what I was going to say before the big scare there because that's that's never happened in our house ever before. We've never had a – we don't have a drafty house so the doors don't slam. But if all of a sudden one did and I'm by myself, I don't even know what the fuck I would do. I, I don't know. I'd probably leave. Uh, I probably I'm, grab the dogs and throw them in the truck and just go somewhere.
1: I'm such an evil human being because in my mind, I was already thinking like, is there a weekend coming up where I am going to be gone and Dan's going to be home? I can set up GoPros, uh, fishing wire, and slam the bathroom door shut and just fuck with him. Oh, That'd, God, be, that'd,
0: impri- be-, I, that'd be impressive if you could do that from afar. I, I could. Well, don't have somebody do it because what if they get killed? Okay, well, what, if, <laughs> what if you have one of your friends do it and then I, in my terror, I, I kill him?
1: Well, the only way I could do it is if it was like one of our friends, like date, like a really, like a guy who's double your size. I shot him.
0: <laughs> what if I shoot him?
1: Our guns are locked up in like the way that our house is set up and the door that I'm talking about. You wouldn't be able to get to the gun without getting past the slam door. What if he finds it and shoots me? It's biometric. You can't okay. get into all it. Right, all right. We know this. <laughs> My gosh. All right. Well, let's find out what's going on with uh, this couple who has a strange knocking in their apartment. Yeah. Hey Dan and Lindsay, my name is Tom, and I'm a newly inducted fan, to scared to death. After a friend recommended to, recommended your show to my wife Alex and I, she's the peeper and I'm the creep of the relationship. And even as we're late to the show, ever since we started listening, we've been devouring through the episodes like madmen. Most of our evenings now involve gushing to each other about the latest episode each of us just listened to. I thought I might try my hand at a story submission and tell you about the scariest paranormal encounter I've experienced in my life so far one involving a phantom knocking at my bedroom window. To set the scene, I live in a small town in north central Washington called Wenatchee. And I love that he gave a pronunciation guide. We know where Wenatchee (laughs) is. And the story takes place when I was living there with my ex in a studio apartment in town. The building complex we lived in was formerly a motel that the owners had turned into studio apartments. So the layout was very much like what you'd expect in a typical motel, a single room and bathroom, One door is an entrance and a large, full-size window near the door that spanned most of the outside wall. There were a few apartments next to us, some above, and that would give you the proper idea of where we were living at the time. Kelly and I had been staying up late, about midnight, watching some movies from bed, when suddenly we heard an intense banging at the window near our front door. Boom, boom, boom! The banging was loud and urgent, like someone desperately trying to get our attention. It scared the hell out of us since the blinds were closed and we hadn't been expecting visitors, so we had no idea who'd be knocking on our window so late at night. I went and looked out the peephole. No one. I peered through the blinds to see out the window. Still no one. Finally, I cautiously opened the door to look outside, but there was still no one there. No one to the right or to the left, no one outside the second story of the apartments above us, not even anyone running off as a potential ding-dong ditch. There was simply no one. A little spooked, I returned to the apartment, locked the door, and tried to reassure Kelly it was probably just someone banging on a neighbor's window and that I just hadn't seen them. Kelly let herself buy the excuse, but even I knew it probably wasn't true. That banging sounded like it had been directly on our window, and we had thick walls that would have made it really difficult to hear through but for our own sanity we told ourselves that's what happened and we let it go we turned off the lights and settled in for the night to and settled in for the night but part of me knew I, it wasn't quite over yet i just had a feeling in my gut that whomever or whatever this was wasn't done with us i asked kelly to switch spots with me on the bed for the night since hers was the one closest to the door just in case something happened again and i needed to move fast and happened again, it did. No sooner that we had gotten settled into bed than the banging on the window came again, louder this time and pounding even more frantically than before. Boom, 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 boom. Like a flash, I, left, I leapt out of bed, unlocked the door and flew out to try and catch the person banging on our window. But in true horror fashion, there wasn't a single goddamn person outside. All the lights in all the other apartments were off and I was all alone outside, standing in the silence of the night. For a long while, I stood there dumbfounded. It had been—it had to have been less than a second that I was at that door, so there was no way that I would have not seen or heard this person running away after banging on our window. But I was the only one there, now left with this creeping feeling that we were no longer safe in our apartment. Kelly and I got our things and left to stay at my parents' house for the night. Get the fuck out. All the while, unsure of who or what had been knocking at our window and why. Eventually, we did return and had no more incidents, but you better believe we got the fuck out of that lease ASAP. I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah. I've never had anything like that happen again. But there is one last postscript to the story that I didn't consider until I was retelling this story to my wife to see if it merited inclusion as a listener story for your show. Something I didn't realize until just now. Without a doubt, the knocking we heard that night was on our apartment window. That's for sure. But something I never considered until now is that I don't know whether the knocking came from outside the window Mm. or from inside Mm -hmm. the window. I hope my story brought you some some chills and I got at least one eek out of Dan. <laughs> my wife and I are huge fans of your show and hope to catch all the way up very soon. Your fan and a lifelong creep, Tom.
0: Thanks, Tom. I My eek was, uh, happened before the episode. Preparing for it. <laughs> Joe took it. I Joe g- stole it from you, okay? <laughs> you got more than an eek. You got a uh, near heart attack. Oh, my God. Um, I know. My heart is still a little jumpy. God, no, that. But just thinking about that, like you know, you, like you see hor- enough horror movies, and we tell all these stories, you can get a little jaded. It's human nature. Sure. And, and like you're just reading words, or you're just watching like something that you know is produced, and you're hearing like you know banging on a door and some movie, and it can get a little bit like, yeah, whatever. You know, maybe you just get used to it. But really thinking about it, like having not experienced that, mm-hmm. oh, Ooh, Jesus I'm Christ, I'm oh. so jumpy now. <laughs> if if I if I'm home, that was fun. If I'm home, uh, not even just alone. But just alone, with home with you, home with you and the kids. Yeah. And we just hear a loud banging from fucking any window, mm-hmm. any door, in in a way that you just can't figure out how a human could have done it. Yeah. Just that all by itself mm-hmm. is really scary. Because you're just like, why did that happen? Why? I know. If, if it is some kind of entity, why would it
1: do that? I know why today. Why do they do
0: that? Why 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 do they why do they want to scare us?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like it just. But saw... maybe
1: they don't. Maybe they just want to get I your know. attention for some reason. <sighs> the idea that uh, I don't know that I've really seen this explored in a horror movie, but you you watch more than mm-hmm. I do. The idea of the banging, and then if you are like if you're in a movie and you're exploring this character development, it's like yeah, they think it's coming from outside, so they're constantly like opening their front door, or or you know pulling back mm-hmm. the curtains or whatever. But what if like after nights and nights and nights of this happening, they go to pull back the curtain. And now like the curtain won't move. It's almost like a hand is holding <laughs> it. And then you yeah. find out that the banging is mm-hmm. from the inside. That would fuck me up. At least like in the other scenario, mm-hmm. it can't get me.
0: Yep. It's you're outside. See- you're seeing this entity, like just looking at you inside. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. It's like, like, like right next it. to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. I know. I know. Out. So yeah. creepy. Remember the footsteps <sighs> by our back patio door?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we think those were from the guys who sealed it. That's what I tell myself.
1: Well, right. But then why wouldn't they still be there? I don't know. That's what gets me. Because it's like we've had it resealed, Mm. right? I mean, that's what happens with cement. So I understand now that it could be no longer there. Like I'm guessing that's how it works. You power wash it and then you reseal it. But it only showed up once. It was when we very first had it Mm -hmm. done. I remember because Rihanna used to house it for us. And she saw my post on Instagram. She was like, tell me you have made this up i was (laughs) like "Uh, right sorry but but then it could have been
0: some creeps out there. i don't know
1: but it but then it was never there again i don't know enough about cement to know like sealant yeah if it would only be there for one time (sighs) but that's a big window Mm -hmm. and if somebody was yikes Yikes, yikes, yikes.
0: Before Before we do the uh, Annabelle things, uh, I just mentioned this earlier, but this is coming out, you know, obviously later where where we record. But just um, hearts go out to everyone in Ukraine fighting against um, Putin, who is just uh, uh, such a piece of shit. What are you talking about? (laughs) But just like it is so inspiring how the Mm -hmm. Ukrainian people, like they're the fierce defense of their land mm-hmm. and how, like, their president actually, like, actively fighting. And Did like, you
1: see, like, Miss Ukraine is on the front line? Oh,
0: my God. No, I didn't. That's amazing. That's I know. A bit, but what, what an uh, uh, amazingly strong, inspiring people. Yeah. And so... Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be donating to them in the future.
1: Yeah, we're just trying to figure out, like, what is mm-hmm. the appropriate—
0: Yep, we'll find all Not that. what's out.
1: appropriate, but, like, where can we have the most impact?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people from around the world, the way the world's come together. Mm-hmm. And I know because of worries of, you know, nuclear World War III, no, no one else is, you know, as of this recording, sending in troops to help the Ukraine. But, like, everything but. Mm-hmm. And just coming together uh, against Putin and his evil regime is yeah. uh, awesome to see.
1: I listen to um, so m-
0: death to Putin and uh, love for Ukraine. Uh,
1: I listen to NPR up first every morning. It's just like a great like fifteen yeah. minute and just kind of like, hey, here's what's happening. And you know they have reporters over yeah. in the Ukraine and in Poland and just this. I mean, it, I was like, oh my god, this is wild. Well, it's just this husband, wife, and kids, and mm-hmm. you know the men are staying back to fight. It's like feels like the Titanic. Like it's, the women cl- and children yeah. go, and they were saying that. I, uh, I hope I don't misrepresent this, but if you are between 15 and 18 male, yeah. they won't let you leave.
0: No, it's between like, it's 15 and like 65. It's a huge...
1: Oh, I don't know why they said 18. There was something about... Because I remember thinking like, that's oh. a three-year gap.
0: Oh, because well, th- well, there, there's another thing, and I don't know if it's 18, but it, but it's a gig... It's basically like... Any male of like uh, of fighting, you know, age who like you know physically capable of carrying heavy guns and all that, mm-hmm. you got to stay and fight.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this was like maybe this was like for people going there to fight, like mm-hmm. who are not Ukrainian. Yeah. I don't remember, but it was this woman, and so this reporter says to her. Like, what did you say to your husband? Mm-hmm. And she just starts sobbing. Oh, I can't imagine. Oh, no, I was crying in the car. I was like, almost had to pull over. And she mm-hmm. just said, I just said to him, like, please, please come back. Please come back and get me. They're going to yeah. Poland. Please, My please God. come and find me when it's over because I can't live this life without you. I was Ooh. wrecked. Yeah. I just can't. <sighs>
0: It's crazy, it's crazy. It's fucking wild. And and it's crazy this stuff goes on. It's getting more, you know, pressed now in the Western world because it's, you know, like... um, Because NATO,
1: because it affects us. Yeah,
0: yeah, because of the implications for drawn U.S. But, you know, like, I just think about, like, stuff in Africa and stuff like this. It's like... (laughs) This stuff never stops happening. Mm-mm. It's always going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's Russia, mm-hmm. it's like it's like because- if Russia or China does something, with just their the size of their armies, mm-hmm. the implications for World War Three get everybody being like, whoa, okay, whoa, 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 whoa what's happening here? Yeah. I know
1: weird conversations this weekend about like with, with Kyler, like mm-hmm. would I be drafted? Yeah. I was just trying to remember, like, how long it's been since on his medical records I've been documenting his asthma.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, he can't go. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't have him. Do you want to do the Annabelles first or me?
1: I will happily go first. Okay. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for helping us donate to New Orleans Community Fridges. Morgan Gully, Stacy Yeager, Josh Shearer, Stephanie Knowles, Cody Riddell, Grace Gaglione. Oh, I mean, I knew a Gaglione growing up. Are you related? Edgar Newman Beltran Stefan Young Lauren Hudspeth Jennifer Brown John Foy Andy Steinhelfner Caitlin fucking Hampton Nice Nicole McLeod Stacey Castro Oh man R- Rafia Bellone I'm so sorry That is R-E-P-H-A-I-A-H Rafia? I'm so sorry if I butchered that Nick Johnson Carolyn McQuillan Isabel Beek, Judith Miller, Lynn Kortst, Matt Miroskeetskeet, <laughs> I don't think that's real, Calvin Villiard, Samuel Olin, Shelby Tart, and Catherine Pristove.
0: And I would like to thank the uh, additional Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. Austin Adkins, Logan Boone, Brianna Ball, Cynthia uh, Alanis, Eddie Hernandez, Lane Lewis, Richard Rogers Third. Um, I, 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 I pause there for a second. I think I was thinking of Buck Rogers. Um, Daryl Dale Katendig, Cheryl L. Dotson, Birch Godwin, Jennifer Robin Musgrove, uh, Tate self Ekman, Rose Fessenmeyer, uh, Ari Nicole. Uh, it's like Ariel without the L. Like Ari, Ari, Ari maybe. Ari Nicole, uh, Pamela Swanson, Toby Krause, Elise Brown, Casey Reese, Haley Armagita. Brittany Barnard, Lee White, Lacey Smith, Valerie A. Jordan, Tori L., Claudie Palos, and Emem Ibak.
1: Very well done. All right. Two, uh, sorry, spoopy shout-outs to Jake from MJ. Congrats on baby number two and your future vasectomy. To Casey from David, happy anniversary. To Amanda from Chris, happy birthday to the best peeper girlfriend ever. To Hayden from Ally. love from the West Coast, miss you and see you soon. To Josh, from Quinn, happy birthday to my better half, can't wait to tie the knot.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: I know. We love love.
0: And that is our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodethpodcast.com. Thank you to Logan Keith and Liz Hernandez for their work on social media, and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today.
1: And scaring the shit out of us.
0: (laughs) And scaring us. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And to book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories you hear each week. And thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the first story I told this week about the Devil's Hop Yard, and Sarah Finch finding the second collection of tales about the uh, South Street Cemetery. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content, at Scared to Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with over 18,000 members. Holy Hades. Now uh, horror-loving members. Uh, Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating that. You can subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. And if you don't want to hear any ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, you can check out our Patreon and get the entire catalog ad-free and so much more. So enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you are scared to death. Bye. When Tillamook ice cream beckons you to the freezer aisle, which irresistibly creamy flavor do you choose? While you're thinking,
1: try not to fuck up the glass. Tillamook ice cream. Extraordinary dairy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: Visit betterhelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's com slash scared to death.